Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, our special healthcare series. We've arrived at episode five of five. Um, I didn't know if we were going to get there, but uh, we did. This special healthcare series takes place between season four, which wrapped up earlier this year, and season five, which kicks off around the end of August, early September. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. This episode of This Week in Voice, our special healthcare series, examines hidden data within human speech. One of the more interesting things to me about the intersection of voice and AI and healthcare, uh, just a fascinating subject. We're very fortunate to have a esteemed panel of folks working in this area um, and just all sorts of tech technologists working with some very interesting companies joining us today. And I'm gonna go through the panel and ask them to introduce themselves one by one. And I'm gonna ask each one who they are, who they're with, what they do, as well as to comment on how the pandemic has impacted them personally or professionally. So the first person I'm gonna ask that to is Aaron Boers. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, you are, nailed it. Okay, cool. So Aaron, thank you for being part of the show. Tell us who you are, tell us who you're with, tell us what you do, and, and then finally tell us how the pandemic has impacted you personally or professionally. Absolutely. Uh, first off, thanks for having us, Bradley. Um, I'm standing in for Israel, our CEO. Um, my name is Aaron Borz. I'm the head of marketing at Hiro. And before this, I've spent about five years in emerging tech, uh, most of which is conversational AI. Uh, and the last project I participated in before Hiro was Google Duplex, which is, um, for those who don't know, uh, something that, uh, that basically was surrounding restaurant reservations and how you could use conversational AI to automatically book those for uh, U.S. customers using Google Assistant. Um, and now I'm at Hiro, and what we do is we're a plug-and-play conversational AI platform uh, that allows healthcare enterprises to quickly add voice and chat capabilities to their digital channels like websites, apps, and call centers. Um, and we do that with robust natural language understanding, which allows patients to have these two-way conversations that really simplify their access to information and medical care, uh, while simultaneously helping these organizations to optimize the deliverability of their content. Um, and now how COVID-19 affected us. Um, well, we recently created a free virtual assistant for COVID-19 in the medical space um, that was picked up by multiple uh, U.S. health systems in the United States, including Mercy Health and Mount Sinai, um, as well as Wild Cornell Medicine. Um, and, and really, uh, it gave us a lot of traction. To be honest, it's hard to gauge what level of growth we could have achieved in the absence of COVID, but uh, I will say that we've seen explosive gains in our brand, business, and thought leadership because of the pandemic. And we've established these incredible bonds with healthcare IT execs along the way. Uh, that really appreciate what we're doing. Excellent. Thank you for being part of the show with us. Thanks. Next up is Kenneth Harper. Kenneth, say hello. Yeah, hi. Thanks uh, for having me on the, the show today. So Ken Harper, uh, I, I have literally spent uh, my entire career in, in conversational AI. Uh, it's really the only thing I've done, the only thing that, that I know, um, you know, across number of different uh, markets, everything from consumer products, you know, virtual assistants for, for mobile phones to 
digital engagement solution and enterprise, uh, and more, most recently uh, working with this technology within healthcare. Uh, so I work at Nuance Communications. Uh, I'm currently the general manager of a solution that we call Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX. Uh, DAX is really how we refer to it uh, in the hallways. And, and what DAX does is uh, it allows us to, to record a natural conversation that a provider has with a patient uh, in a physical setting or even in a telehealth setting. We record natural conversation between the, the clinician and the patient and we convert that audio into a, a highly accurate clinical summary uh, that needs to go into the EHR that documents exactly what happened during that encounter. Uh, this is very much uh, for nuance. It's a, a revolution in terms of how documentation gets taken care of uh, automatically for uh, care team members to give them hours uh, back in their day uh, in their, their documentation uh, requirements that the, the healthcare organization requires uh, of them. So a lot of technology goes in uh, to making this happen, uh, but that's that's our focus with conversational uh, AI. Um, in terms of uh, Bradley, I know that the question around, well, what have we seen uh, given uh, the, the COVID pandemic? You know, I think what is really interesting for us is this has just fully accentuated the necessity of, of helping providers do their job more effectively, helping physicians do their job. Uh, more effectively, and our solution that Nuance uh, allows the the patient to focus on, sorry, the provider to focus on the patient and make sure that patients are getting taken care of. And we do the rest in terms of the documentation and some of the administrative work uh, that has to follow. So we've had a, a, a surge in, in our ability to take our technology, work with our providers, over 500,000 users in the U.S. use Nuance technology, uh, just to continue to use that as an accessory to help them through through this challenging time, uh, given the different volumes and uh, the, the necessity that we need to make sure providers are taken care of uh, in terms of the, the time they have to, to, to focus on patients. So I'd say that really just accentuates what where we are in the space and the importance of conversational eye and solving real meaningful uh, problems in healthcare. Ken, thank you very much for being on the show. Next up is Caitlin Brooksby. Caitlin, say hello. Hey, guys. Thanks for – I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm Caitlin Brooksby. I am the Executive Director of Communications at Canary Speech. We are a startup in Provo, Utah, but we are doing big things. Uh, so we have a great relationship with Bradley, so thank you for having us here. Uh, my background is healthcare. I started my career at Intermountain Healthcare, wonderful place to really understand um, just the ins and outs. And I then moved on to 3M Health Information Systems. And uh, along the way, I've also been part of startups. So, uh, yeah, how has COVID affected? Well, personally, no one spoke personally yet, so I'll, I'll get personal here. Um, I'm sitting on my front porch looking out on my five acres, and that's okay because I'm because <laughs> it's COVID era. And, you know, we're all just doing our best um, working from home. And I think as far as business goes and how has that affected us, uh, Canary Speech, well, it really, as maybe a few doors have shut, I would say many more doors have opened than we ever expected. 
we are currently working with the largest healthcare system in New Jersey to um, work on some very exciting projects around COVID. And uh, I mean, it's just been a whirlwind. Of course, everybody can attest to that, but it has been exciting to see how uh, voice and, you know, um, speech just, it's taking center stage in my opinion. And so, yeah, that's a little about me and about where we're at. Thanks. Caitlin, thank you for being part of the show with us. Next up is Mike Page. Mike, tell us who you are, who you're with, what you do, and a little bit how the pandemic's affected you personally or professionally. Sounds good. Well, firstly, thanks. Thanks, Bradley, for, for, for having us on. Um, I'm Mike Page. I'm co-founder of Phoebe. Phoebe is a voice tech uh, AI company, and we help healthcare research companies, so both healthcare research companies, digital health companies, analyze the emotional content of audio that they have. We either help them collect the audio. Uh, so for example, we convert surveys that would traditionally have been done by point and click into voice experiences. So we can collect the data that way, or we take data from in-depth interviews or conversations between doctors and patients, what have you. Um, and we provide emotional an analysis and categorization of that data to help them understand the impact of messaging. So, you know, who are the people, which people are anxious about a certain, you know, a certain treatment or people who are happy to hear about certain topics, you know, and it can be on controversial topics or on, on just a general, general research. So we help people analyze the, you know, the, the, the emotional content of their, of their audio uh, in terms of COVID. Uh, what I will say is we're doing a lot of work of research, on patients' experiences of telehealth. And I can tell you telehealth is not going away. I mean, they are, you know, it is enormously overall positive sense of people, you know, across age groups of people not having to go, you know, go in in all situations. Um, so we see a, you know, a big move towards telehealth and we see a very strong positive, you know, experience from people um, of, you know, of moving to telehealth. Um, in terms of us as a business, you know, we're a, we're a startup, so we were kind of work, working from home anyway. So it, it really it didn't change didn't change that much for for us. Except now, all these calls are on video, and I have to put a shirt on. Whereas before, they were no one used video before uh, before COVID. But um, that's our experience, and that's um, that's 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 what we do. We appreciate you uh, putting the shirt on. Thank you and joining us. And uh, uh, yeah, no, I I I hear everything you just said. You know, I. Uh, used to, you know, I've worked from home for a long time, uh, and, uh, just different, you know, different roles. And, uh, now the rest of y'all get to feel what this is like having 10 zoom calls a day for every day. So, uh, well, welcome to, uh, my last, uh, decade. Uh, our final, uh, final guest is Scott Sandlin of Cyrano. Scott, say hello. Tell us who you are, who you're with, what you do, and a little bit about how the pandemics, uh, impacted you, uh, personally or professionally. Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm Scott Sandler. I'm the, C uh, the CEO of Cyrano.ai. Before that, I was the executive director of a mental health clinic, uh, primarily focusing on adolescent and at-risk teens. And uh, we saw a need to get in front of the problem rather than chase and clean up. And we saw that teenagers like technology and they trust their phones. And so we started looking at what was on the market in terms of uh, natural language understanding systems and saw that 
most systems were optimized for correct information and very much a frequently asked question sort of retrieval system. And uh, they were lacking empathy. And so uh, myself and my co-founder, who's a sociologist and neurolinguist, uh, built out Cyrano, which is designed to be a uh, artificial empathy engine that plugs in via API to upgrade existing chat systems and give another layer of subjective insight about the person. Uh, how COVID's affected us, you know, we're a startup. So we, were, we have been and are continuing to look at B2B. Uh, and we see that as the integration uh, opportunity for us. Uh, with COVID, it hit us at a, a very interesting time as we were uh, closing on a couple big contracts that have been, been tabled. Uh, so um, we pivoted, went to Zoom, uh, built a Zoom tool in uh, a couple weeks. And in the first month after deployment, we hit 10,000 users. So in terms of traction, in terms of proving that our stuff works at scale and can handle the volume and, and to be accurate with happy users and all that. It, it's actually been a great opportunity for us because while we've done other things uh, as one-offs, it really shows our scalability. So COVID's turned out to be, you know, a couple months later, uh, a good thing for us. Excellent. Scott, thank you for being part of the show with us. Uh, thanks to all of you for being part of the show with us. So <clears throat> hidden data within human speech is the topic. And um, I, I suppose the way I'll set this up is that, uh, so I am a cancer survivor. Uh, I was diagnosed with melanoma uh, back in 2010. And there's a whole story to that. It uh, doesn't need to be delved into here, but I've fully recovered. And I, I find it fascinating that um, just the concept of things the body is trying to tell you. Um, and uh, maybe we can hear it and maybe we can't, you know, maybe we can interpret it, maybe we can't. And the example I like to use, which has nothing to do with voice, is reading about how dogs, there's certain types of dogs that can smell cancer, uh, oh. certain types of cancer uh, in humans. And, um, and, they can smell it with 100% accuracy. So it's, that's just an, one example. You know, I, it was, that was probably the thing that opened my eyes personally to this reality of as far as science has progressed, um, there's still this vast untapped world of data that the body gives off um, that uh, could be predictive in nature. Uh, maybe it means something, maybe it means nothing. Maybe it'll help us live longer, maybe it won't. As that is the backdrop, um, I would love to hear each of y'all talk, you know, and just share one example of hidden data within human speech. And, and you know, it could be uh, any aspect of it at all, but um, something that maybe your company's looking at, something that maybe a, a different company's looking at or something that somebody else has figured out. But share share with me, and Scott, I'm going to start with you and work in reverse. Um, sh share with me in the audience an example of uh, hidden data within human speech and something interesting that technology has been able to do for us. Sure. So uh, when you look at artificial intelligence, you know, and when you back up, uh, you if you think about conversation as a strategic exchange, very much like a game, you can use a comp of a chessboard. And we all know that AI has become world-class at playing chess. Uh, and 
what I see in uh, language is people are trying to skip a very important step in that, uh, where we're trying to throw deep learning at communication and saying, let's just simplify this. We'll get outcomes, we'll get intents and entities, and we'll, we'll just throw a giant data set into a CNN and see what happens. And that's like trying to teach a, like a robot how to play chess, but only giving it like uh, the back row of pieces and not telling it what the pawns are doing or, you know, leaving the pawns and the rooks out. Or, you know, that you'll say, well, you're getting about half the data that you should be able to do something with that. And the position of all the pieces uh, impact any one piece. Uh, so an, an easy example is the word try. You know, everyone talks about the word try in linguistics. And, you know, 40 years ago, uh, like Yoda said, do or do not, there is no try. And everybody like latched onto that as like a great rule for language, uh, which is you know, sometimes true and sometimes really silly and counterproductive. Uh, you know, like you can say the word try might mean, hey, are you going to come to my party? Yeah, I'll try to be there. That means you're not coming to the party. Uh, but if it says, hey, I'm on your website and I'm trying to find your address and I can't get it, that means the word try isn't presupposing failure and giving up. It's a person endeavoring and trying to overcome obstacles. And the context of what's being said with the other words, it's not just sentiment analysis. That's like, Sentiment analysis is fourth grade reading level. Um, so you have to understand that communication is a behavior and it is absolutely measurable. And uh, in the same way that Amazon's doing that, people who bought this tend to buy these. It's not just one purchase. It's the aggregate of the, the constellation of all of those purchases impacts that algorithm. And I think right now in linguistics, uh, we are still way behind on, on how to label things effectively. And until you call things by their right names, you're, you're going to run into this giant problem uh, where the robot's not going to get good at chess. No, that's, yeah, no, that's interesting. And um, you know, talking about the word try uh, and then mentioning Star Wars, you know, why don't you, you know, it's like Disney saying, I'm going to try to make a good final film. <laughs> we see how that worked out uh no that, that was very interesting mike same question to you uh share with us uh an interesting you know share with us an example that you find interesting of hidden data within human speech yeah no thanks i mean i, I think the way we look at it like we've done a number of projects that are looking at and i'll, I'll cite one specifically which was about obesity um, and cancer in the UK, they ran a they they actually ran a campaign that was quite controversial. They they kind of compared obesity to smoking, so the idea was that it was to draw attention to the fact that you know if you were obese, you know it was as bad as smoking, and it, you know it was a you know it was a very quite a shocking sort of sort of campaign. Um, and it, but it was it was great as a source of insight using voice. We were really able to detect that things that that people might say or you might capture in a in a different way if you had someone type you know type something to you you know through a survey or, or whatever it might be or if it was just in the transcribed you know this transcription of what was said it didn't in in any way tell the truth or give that immediate system one type response uh and what we find is with voice you know an ai and emotion detection you can actually take it to that to that next level because you've got the immediacy of that response. So we were able to see deeper 
that people might be saying, you know, what we saw was a lot of discrepancy between what people were saying and kind of in the way that they said it suggested that maybe they were not as com- they were not as neutral. A lot of people would say they were neutral, but once we looked at the at the audio, we could tell they were leaning, they were generally leading towards a, a, a more negative impression of that campaign. So you're kind of leaving a lot on the table if you don't, you know, have a deeper understanding of you know what's hidden in human speech, right? When it when it's transcribed, or even when it's done with NLP, you know, even if it's you know good sentiment analysis or whatever, you're still missing that context of how they said it, you know, and and getting that layer of how they said it, not just what they said, you know, can make a really you know can make a can make a really big difference and lead you from something that you would have concluded was overall a little neutral to something that was leaning more negative, which we kind of expected. So it's in the in the setup of the study. But it I think it's a great example of, you know, of what's hidden in human speech. And we apply that now, you know, to conversation with physicians and, and patients. You know, we can, you know, we could see these underlying, you know, these underlying differences between what people say and and how they say it, you know, can be quite revealing and teach us, you know, teach us a lot. Yeah, no, that's a great example. Caitlin, I'm gonna ask you the same same question. Um share with us an example of hidden data within human speech, uh, either something Canary's doing or something that from another company you found interesting. Well, thank you, Bradley. I feel like you, that could just be our tagline for our company, but <laughs> so um, Canary speech was started, you know, like I mentioned about four and a half years ago by Jeff Adams and Henry O'Connell. And what they did was they set out, to really bring the technology forward of speech and language in the healthcare setting. And just briefly, like how we did that and speaking about the the hidden elements of of speech, we look at those elements. So um, really our patents are just around that area. Something I learned working at Canary was speech production is the fastest, most discreet human motor performance. That honestly blew my mind. I mean, I had worked in healthcare, but that was just kind of a aha moment for me personally. And Henry O'Connell, our CEO, he always says that he believes that next to the human genome, that speech is really the most rich in data that we produce as humans. And so when I when I talk about that, what I'm speaking about is looking below the level of speech. And so uh, Canary currently has six patents, um, four U.S., two international, that focus on looking below the level of speech. Um, and how we do that is we identified over 2,500 biomarkers. And these biomarkers, they are um, they're consistent across a disease, um, you know, separate from an individual, okay? So we, we found that these biomarkers can be used, created into um, models or algorithms um, using linguistic and and spectral features. And then these disease-specific models can be used to identify human conditions and disease. Uh, A quick example, one of our early projects and and studies that we did, we were able to produce a 96% accuracy rate for identifying Alzheimer's on a double-blind study using speech um, and using a model disease-specific algorithm. And so 
really, that's what we're all about. We are looking, like I said, below the level of speech, creating these uh, disease-specific models that are independent of individuals. We have found that we are language agnostic. We are device agnostic. Uh, we have created a, a set of tools, including our app, um, where we collect data. We've been in pharmaceuticals. We've, we're in commercialization currently, and as well as validation studies. So, yeah, that's a little bit about Canary Speech. And what we have found, we've built our entire company around the hidden uh, aspects of speech. Yeah, no, it, it, the question is certainly in your wheelhouse. Uh, and uh, that, that's, uh, that's really interesting, and especially about speech being, you know, such a quick area of human processing that probably explains a lot about um, my wife cutting me off mid-sentence and saying she doesn't want to hear the rest of the, re- <laughs> the rest of the sentence. Uh, she already knows what I'm going to say. Um, Ken, same question for you. Um, share with us an interesting uh, example uh, to you of hidden data within human speech. Yeah, so, so I'll talk a little bit about what, what we're doing. And I think this really kind of applies to most, most of the examples that the others have shared. So in, in our Dragon Emmy experience or DAX, one, one of the things that we're, we're doing and we have to do is we're, we're recording the conversation that a patient has with a doctor. And at Nuance, we're doing that because we're focusing on driving to the highly accurate clinical documentation that gets generated by AI automatically. But the interesting thing about the data is we're we're opening up really a a brand new data source that's new to healthcare. The the whole idea of having a recording of a patient and a provider during a physical or a telehealth encounter or consult, that that data has never existed in in healthcare with any scale historically. So the way that we think about your, your question is how can we open up this data source? And even though we're do, using it for documentation, how can we open, this, open up this data source to the ecosystem of, of, of companies out there working on solving this problem that you're asking about? Like, what are the hidden things in, in human speech that you can begin to mine and do prediction around that actually could change in healthcare? It could actually change the preemptive nature of detection of something that could be serious or chronic uh, in nature. So as one specific example as to where we're doing some work at Nuance from from allowing other companies to come in and start to work on some of this this data, the the idea of automatic depression screening and anxiety detection, you know, there's a lot of research and there are a couple of companies we've been been talking to where they're building out models based on how can we detect if someone might be depressed or have certain anxiety markers and in certain Specialties, you know, think about an oncology encounter and, you know, someone, you know, you're detecting that there's a high level of anxiety and depression and and being able to surface that to the care team. So if they're aware that there's a a high risk of depression, that, that fundamentally changes the whole care pathway for that patient. If you can begin to surface some of those insights proactively. So the way that we think about it is there's this massive amount of data from a speech perspective that's now being created and how can we allow these types of companies to come in and, and mine it and, and serve up some prediction 
And ultimately that could just share, that could change and fundamentally influence the overall outcomes that a patient may have. No, I really like that. Uh, I, I like, yeah, pointing out um, just the simple fact that this data hasn't existed before. Um, it sounds so, like such a simple statement to make, but um, you know, you think about if uh, people today going to the doctor had um, uh, audio data from 20 years ago of what their voice sounded like and comparing that to what their voice sounds like now and wondering what that might yield. Uh, don't say the answer is nothing. You know, I'm sure there's some information buried in there of what, you know, changes in voice over time. Uh, we just don't really know how to interpret that yet. But uh, no, I thought that was great. Aaron, same question for you. Share with and, us, uh, you know, an example of hidden data within human speech that you found interesting. Sure. Um, I think voice is less of a uh, laser sharp focus, I'd say, for our startup. Uh, we're a hybrid solution. We offer voice as a facet of what we do, but it's not, it's not our core technology. Our core technology is, is natural language understanding, and most of our users still engage with us in text. Um, whether that's just because of, of healthcare and, and uh, the adoption of voice and healthcare being slower than other industries, et cetera. Uh, but we're more like um, for first touch engagement um, and handling different digital services offered by healthcare providers online. Um, I'll give an example of hidden data in voice. I, I think Vocalis Health was supposed to be on this call and actually uh, they do something in incredible in that field, which is now they're analyzing vocal fingerprints um, for COVID-19, they're finding, to, they're trying to find patterns uh, in, in phonation and, and, uh, and things like that um, to understand whether or not people have symptoms for COVID-19 and also mapping those symptoms in order to, to understand um, from people who have been infected, whether or not um, new patients using their system actually have those same, so, same system um, symptoms. So, uh, they're doing something pretty incredible in that space and trying to uncover hidden data and voice in terms of COVID-19 specifically right now. And I know they were in the news for that quite a bit. And we, we knew them uh, even before this call. Uh, for us specifically, I, I'll flip it to hidden data within conversations, uh, not just hidden data and voice. And one thing that we're offering providers now, and again, for COVID-19, this is especially important, um, is understanding through conversational intelligence what their patients are trying to do on their digital channels, uh, mostly call centers and, and their websites. Um, and so we're feeding them that data in real time so that they can understand what content is missing and, and that kind of thing. So for instance, uh, most, of our, most of the users who are interacting with our virtual assistants that have to do with COVID-19 are asking about testing. Um, testing became, and you can see the trend over time. Uh, it's not like I'll pull up the graph for, uh, for this particular uh, event, but uh, you can see the trend over time in our virtual assistants of people asking about antibodies. So we have something like 56% of, of patients asking about testing, and then within that, 40% asking about antibodies. And it turns out it equates to thousands and thousands of impressions of, uh, of conversations surrounding antibody testing. And so we've been serving that information up to these U.S. healthcare systems so that they can then add that content to their website. They can understand how vital it is for their patients to, to know about antibody testing, how, how many people are asking about hospital visits. You know? And so we see all these uh, conversations and whether they're by voice or text, we're able to bucket them 
and, and properly feed that to, uh, to healthcare providers so they can optimize what they're, um, you know, what they're providing for their patients. So, um, that's, that's kind of, um, what I understood from, from hidden data is, is within the conversation as a whole, whether it's by voice or text. No, I think that's great as well. Yeah, I, I appreciate the commentary from from all of y'all on this. I um, I think it's such a golden opportunity. Um, as strange as that sounds, I think a silver lining of COVID nineteen has been the opportunity to to for you know stuff like what Hiro's doing with your COVID assistant or or things like that to to combat the incredible disinformation that we've gotten. Um, and, you know, you can say the biased media, you can say that we don't, we just didn't, don't have information. It's, it's a new disease. You can say whatever you want to say, but one of the, it's, it's just been a very tough last, uh, very tough 2020, if you want to put it that way, in terms of information flow. Um, we think one thing, you know, we thought back in March that, wearing masks was going to keep masks from healthcare professionals that needed them. Um, and then that turned out to not be the case. And then, you know, people think that that's licensed uh, in July, not to wear a mask, uh, making problems worse. And that's just one example of about 10 that I could say. And it's amidst this, this, this mis- this misinformation and lack of information that chatbots and voice assistants and uh, information flowing directly from trusted healthcare sources can really shine. And we've seen some of that. And so you touched on that. And I just wanted to mention that before we got off that subject. The other thing is that um, I would be remiss not to mention Carnegie Mellon's work with COVID-19 on this podcast. So, you know, Carnegie Mellon uh, did some pretty innovative work, um, creating a tool designed to listen to your voice. They aggregated all sorts of vocal samples from people who had COVID-19 or who were recently recovered, and then uh, use that to create an algorithm that would then measure your voice against that data set, uh, and then provide some sort of prediction on whether you ha- have COVID-19 or whether you had it or, or something. And they they can tell, and other people agree, that there's something to that. Uh, they haven't quite gotten to the bottom of that yet, but this disease that's out here, this pandemic does something uh, that can be measured vocally. And um, uh, eventually I think that they will succeed in making it consistent and valid enough to be a, a, a tool that can help and save lives. Uh, we're gonna conclude the show uh, by going in our original order um, and, uh, Aaron, I'll start with you and, and, and work, uh, in our original order. And I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out, put your Nostradamus hat on and hit me with a trend. We're in July. So we've got the second half of 2020 in front of us heading into 2021. Um, hit me with the trend uh, it can related to voice and speech. Uh, it, it could be text based uh, in healthcare, um, either specifically related to he- hidden data in human speech, or it can be broader focus than that. Tell me something that you're looking to see over the second half of the year into 2021. Sure. Um, unfortunately, I'll, I'll give a disclaimer, which is that I don't think COVID 19 is slowing down as fast as anyone who is optimistic had. Uh, 
had believed. So whatever the trends have been in the first half of the year, I, I definitely expect them to continue. Um, for me, looking uh, looking forward, I think whatever's going to happen will hinge on telehealth. Um, so basically sub-trends of something we've already seen as, a, as an exploding trend. I mean, we know adoption is through the roof. I think multiple people on this call have already mentioned it. Um, and, you know, I think SIA Partners says that there's like 1,500% increase in telehealth and virtual visits since pre-pandemic levels. So there's no sign of this slowing down. And my two hunches would be that uh, one thing that's going to be huge is actually what, uh, Ken, it's what you and Nuance are focused on, um, which is, I guess, transcription services, but, but way more in-depth than that, uh, and logging those virtual visits and clinical use cases for telehealth and having forms filled automatically. Um, so meeting that, that newfound demand, you know, with this spike. So one is transcription services. And the second is, is uh, in my opinion, of course, I'm biased because this is where we uh, perform, but uh, scheduling services. So um, digital engagement in general, but mostly scheduling services where virtual assistants or booking, you know, automated uh, booking tools will help to handle the surge in appointments that are being booked, updated, canceled, confirmed, whatever it is digitally. Um, and again, that's like on websites and call centers, there's huge spikes in call centers now for US health systems. So uh, tools to help organize telehealth and, and tools during those virtual visits that help to keep track of the medical information that's collected. And I really think that, uh, that that's going to be the, the biggest trend and it plays off of telehealth. Excellent. Yeah. And I think scheduling, you're onto something with that because there's already a lot of articles talking about this deferral of all these normal healthcare yeah. procedures that haven't been able to happen. And so the consequence of that will be um, we need a lot of logistical help to get all these people in uh, quicker. So we're maximizing efficiency of the system to try to catch back up. I think that's really interesting. Ken, same question to you. Nostradamus uh, hat on, crystal ball out, hit me with the trend that you expect to play to play out over the second half of the year into 2021. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to expound upon what, what Aaron said. I mean, I, I really think there, there's a digital revolution in, in, in healthcare in, in general, you know, from, from a patient perspective. Um, you know, the same way that, that Siri, when Siri was first announced um, by Apple many, many years ago, we kind of viewed that as the, the revolution of assistance from a consumer perspective. You know, people started to understand what this technology was and, and what it was capable of doing. You know, I, I think COVID has become the catalyst for, for driving a digital revolution inside of healthcare. I mean, the amount of progress and in healthcare and engaging a patient through some of these different channels, telehealth is obviously a big part of that. But just thinking about the broader digital front door of how you engage the healthcare system, the progress in the last four months is more than the last eight years uh, as far as, as how patients use the digital technologies and capabilities to, to engage their care. And I don't, I don't see that slowing down. I mean, I think this is now going to be a much bigger priority uh, for healthcare organizations to get serious about building a digital front door strategy on the entire patient journey, you know, everything from the intake to the scheduling, to the virtual consults, to the triage process, you know, all the way to you know, chronic care in the home. But I just think we're going to see a, a massive trend of all those things coming together, really with the patient being in the center of, of how all these things need, need to work. And I think voice technology and AI in general is going to 
span across a lot entire entire journey and really help the patient engage the, the care organization. Excellent. Yeah, thank you for that. Complete complete agreement. Caitlin, uh, you're up next. Hit us with the trend that you expect to play out over a second half of 2020 into 2021. Okay, so at the end of 2020, I, I mean, of course, I have to echo what everybody says. We are in tolerant period right now, um, but seeing progress in the last four months that we haven't seen, I completely um, echo that. But I, what I see happening is the inevitable of, um, I think, great partnerships and integrations are coming I, you know, we, I feel like I think part of a network here and, but I think we're going to start seeing these incredible, um, business partnerships on, in, in voice that's going to take it. So I, those, um, discussions are going to be, be happening in the next six, eight months. So prediction. Okay, and I, I, I think you were fading in and out there a little bit, uh, but uh, I, I think I caught the gist of that, that you're anticipating Sorry a lot of... Sorry about that. So, no, that. No, you're so good. A lot I'm of... Uh, what I was hearing you say is uh, some significant business partnerships will continue to, to yeah. flourish that will help move us forward. Did I catch that? Exactly. Perfect. Um, yep. thank, you, thank you for that. And Mike, same question for you. Uh, crystal ball out, hit us with the trend that you expect to play out over the second half of 2020 into 2021. Okay, sounds good. Um, yeah, it's telehealth, isn't it? I mean, I'm echoing what Aaron and, and, and Ken said, um, but I'll, I'll put a slightly different angle on it, which is that what we see is uh, an acceleration of digital adoption across the board by older people, right? This is just like they've had to move from, you know, from going to the shops, finally they've tried online shopping. Now they've realized it's not so, not as difficult as they thought it was. You know, they're, they're unlikely to go back, right? Um, and again, I think with telehealth, with the experience, maybe they have a few issues to start with. But what we see is as they, as they get more comfortable with that, then it's like opening up a whole new, you know, a whole new world. So I think it, it, it's a sort of overall crystal ball of, this will, and obviously it's particularly relevant in healthcare because old people tend to be sicker, but just across the board, digital adoption by older, older people. Interesting. Yeah. Complete agreement there. And Scott, the last word goes to you. Um, Nostradamus hat on, crystal ball out, hit us with the trend you expect to see play out over the rest of the year into 2021. I think, I mean, obviously in agreement with everything that everybody else just said, but a way to look at it is the same thing that happened in retail uh, in the last decade, where the reason retail is better online is because there can be segmentation and hyper-targeting. And with the data that Nuance and similar telehealth uh, opportunities are creating, it's not just about the uh, provider side, the idea that you can improve patient outcomes. So instead of sales conversions, you the, the comp is now patient outcomes. And so if you can say we can improve patient outcomes by hyper-targeting, whether that be psychographic archetyping of the person uh, or, or uh, various other means, you can now say this is the way to more effectively get this person to uh, increase patient compliance, do their physical therapy, uh, take their medications. These are the strategies 
that we can use at scale to uh, personalize medicine. So I think it's not just the input and intake that we've been talking about a lot, but actually what we're doing with that as strategic output. And that's, to me, every time we're talking about communication, we have to think of it as the, the results and response that you get is the meaning of any communication. So looking at how we can target that is what I see exploding in the next year. Well said. Yeah, that's excellent. Thanks to all of y'all for being part of the show. Thanks for taking the time to share your experience, share your expertise uh, with not just me, but the audience as well. It's greatly appreciated. For This Week in Voice, episode five of five of our special healthcare series. Thank you for listening, watching if you're watching on YouTube. Until next time.